when Vader first appeared for the WWF in 1996, he came with a massive amount of respect and a huge legacy. In Japan, Vader was a mega heel of massive proportions. He even caused riots to occur amongst the Japanese fans. And during a period when WCW's programming was lacklustre, Vader was a truly terrifying highlight in the early 90s. He'd played the monster heel against the likes of Sting, Cactus Jack and Ric Flair, and a monster heel was just what the WWF needed in 1996. And yet, Vader's WWF career was a huge letdown. He got a great start in the early part of the year, before suffering a gigantic fall from grace. In this video, we're going to explore exactly what went wrong for Vader during his mid-90s run with the World Wrestling Federation. Vader was a man whose fearsome reputation truly preceded him. When he debuted in New Japan Pro Wrestling, he beat Antonio Inoki in just three minutes. The often reserved Japanese wrestling fans were so unhappy with the result, they started a riot in Sumo Hall. Vader was noted for his stiff wrestling style, but he could absorb punishment as easily as he could dish it out. In a match against Stan Hansen in 1990, Vader was thumbed in the eye, causing it to pop out of its socket. He simply pushed it back in and finished the match. And Vader's time in WCW went down in wrestling history. He broke Joe Thurman's back with a powerbomb and he famously ripped Cactus Jack's ear off in 1994. There was nobody else around that was quite like Vader. His mix of size and aggression was paired with unmatched agility for a man so big. Like any good monster bad guy, you absolutely believed that he could murder his opponent if he wanted to. In Japan, he was the IWGP heavyweight champion, and in WCW, he was a three-time world heavyweight champion. When talking about the best big men ever, Vader has to be near the top of the conversation. In 1995, Vader had been feuding with Hulk Hogan. When Hogan first signed with WCW, there were a couple of feuds that fans were most excited to see. The Hawkster versus Ric Flair was the main one, but Hogan versus Vader wasn't far behind. On paper, Vader was the perfect opponent for Hogan. He was a nasty heel that contrasted with Hogan's squeaky clean persona at the time, and it carried on the tradition of Hogan slaying monster heels. That was something he'd become really well known for in the WWF during the 1980s. The feud itself ended up being a bit of a mess, storyline-wise, but some really good matches came out of it. Some of Hogan's best ever matches, in fact. And incredibly, Vader came out of the feud looking stronger than expected. In one contest, Vader kicked out of Hogan's atomic leg drop, and Vader only ever lost one match clean to the Hawkster. There were big plans in place for Vader going forward, Rumour has it that he was going to beat Hogan for the World Championship on the very first edition of Monday Nitro. But we would never find out exactly what was on the cards for Vader as he managed to get himself suspended. 
from WCW. He got into an argument backstage with Paul Orndorff, who was working as a road agent at the time. Things escalated quickly between Orndorff and Vader, and a fight erupted. In the end, Eric Bischoff took the decision to get rid of Vader, thanks to the incident. Vader sounded like the perfect addition to the WWF's roster, heading in to 1996, because they badly needed main event heels. The big story in the WWF centred around Shawn Michaels. Michaels was determined to achieve his boyhood dream of becoming WWF champion. The first step in achieving that dream came at the Royal Rumble, where he won the 30-man match and stamped his ticket to the main event of WrestleMania 12. In the main event of WrestleMania, Michaels faced Bret Hart for the title in a gruelling one-hour Ironman match. The fairy tale ending came when Michaels scored the victory and won his first world championship. But while all of this was going on, plans were being made. Michaels was going to need a monster bad guy to slay, and the timing couldn't have been better for either Vader or the WWF. He was really keen to sign with the Federation, but he knew his worth. In WCW, he was one of the highest paid wrestlers on the roster. It's rumoured that he was making a minimum of $750,000 per year. Unusually for the time, Vader's WWF contract also included a downside guarantee. This was a guaranteed amount of money he was going to earn each year. Vince McMahon very rarely gave contracts out with a downside guarantee during the mid-90s, and McMahon was always keen on giving his wrestlers a unique name or gimmick when they came into the company. This was a practice that allowed him to copyright his superstars' names and gimmicks, and Vader was no different. For Vader, McMahon preferred the name the Mastodon. Now usually he would get his own way but Vader stood his ground and refused to change his name. It was really unusual for McMahon to give any incoming wrestler this kind of preferential treatment but Vader was different. He was desperate to get Vader on board. Vader had been suffering from a shoulder injury for the last six months and in January of 1996 he did have surgery booked in. The only problem was the surgery coincided with the Royal Rumble and so he agreed to postpone the shoulder surgery just so he could appear in the Royal Rumble match. The WWF aired a bunch of exciting promos in the run-up to the Royal Rumble and they made Vader look like a million dollars. They also made him look like a total badass. He entered the Royal Rumble match from the 13th position and as soon as he stepped into the ring, he was a force of nature. He eliminated four individual competitors, and then he turned his sights on Yokozuna. Shawn Michaels eventually managed to send Vader over the top rope, but Vader stormed back into the ring, angrily laying waste to everyone present. The next night on Raw, Vader destroyed Savio Vega before turning his sights to the WWF officials at ringside. In the storyline, this led to Vader being suspended, but in reality, Vader just took a brief hiatus to undergo shoulder surgery. It was a crazy, aggressive start for the big man, 
and the WWF did a great job. Vader was introduced as part of the Camp Cornette stable, and Jim Cornette lobbied for his return from suspension on WWF TV. Yokozuna had also been part of Camp Cornette until Vader attacked him, and then he decided to leave the group and turn babyface. When Vader returned to the ring, he set his sights on Yoko. Vader vs Yokozuna was something of a dream match for fans as both men had been world champions at the same time during 1993. While Vader was WCW champion in 1993, Yoko was the WWF champion. Unfortunately, by 1996, some of the shine had come off that potential feud because Yoko had slid down the card in the three years since he'd held the belt. Yokozuna was always a massive dude, but he'd put on a ton of weight in the interim, which seriously restricted his mobility in the ring. By the start of 1996, he weighed a massive 660 pounds. Vader appeared during Yokozuna's match with the British Bulldog at In Your House 6 in February and attacked him. It was meant to be a one-on-one -on -one match between Vader and Yokozuna at WrestleMania, but that became a six-man tag match instead. Vader, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog faced Yokozuna, Ahmed Johnson and Jake Roberts. In the storyline, Vader broke one of Yoko's legs. This angle was concocted to write Yokozuna off TV for a while. Vince McMahon demanded that he take the time off to lose some weight before he embarked on a singles match with Vader. As Yokozuna was forklifted away, a match between the men was set for In Your House 8 in May. It was a match that Vader won, but this first feud in the WWF for Vader was pretty terrible. Yokozuna was so fat, he was almost immobile by this time, and Vince McMahon should have known better before booking these two men together. It just didn't work. What was once a dream matchup ended up being a massive disappointment. It was a shame considering the WWF booked Vader's debut so well, it didn't take the WWF very long to start messing things up for Vader. At the end of 1995 going into 1996, the company's four top performers were all good guys. Shawn Michaels was now the lead babyface and WWF champion, and he needed some fearsome opponents. After WrestleMania, it would have made sense for Vader to have just started his feud with Shawn Michaels immediately. The original plan was for the feud between the men to go all the way until SummerSlam, with them having multiple matches along the way, but that never happened. When Kevin Nash and Scott Hall decided to leave for WCW, the plan went out the window. At In Your House 7, Vader beat Razor Ramon. The feud between these two men was a total waste of time, as Scott Hall was clearly not interested. He was treading water before departing the company and going to WCW. At the King of the Ring, Vader lost to Jake Roberts via DQ, in a semi-final match. In hindsight, we know that Steve Austin was a worthy King of the Ring winner, but surely making Vader the King here would have made more sense at the time. 
by the time they started reheating the feud with Shawn Michaels, a lot of Vader's momentum had already gone. Still, Vader was an intriguing matchup for Shawn Michaels. Michaels was small and athletic enough for the WWF to be able to tell the classic story of David versus Goliath. In this respect, Vader was already a proven commodity. It was a similar dynamic to when he wrestled Sting in WCW. He knew how to tell this story already. Before their match at SummerSlam, Michaels and Vader had actually worked together repeatedly on the house show circuit. Worryingly, Vader was being booked to look really weak on all of those shows. We can see from the Cage Match website that Vader was booked to lose each and every one of their live event matches. The good news was that the house show matches were excellent. Their contrasting styles in the ring made for hugely entertaining matches, and the match at SummerSlam was also really good. Unfortunately for Vader, this would be the end of the feud. The original plan was for Vader to get another shot at Shawn Michaels at the Survivor Series in a few months' time. In that match, Vader was going to beat Michaels and win the WWF Championship. Then, at the 1997 Royal Rumble, Michaels was going to win it back in his hometown. Because that's exactly what happened, only they replaced Vader with Psycho Sid. It was Shawn Michaels who ended up derailing this plan. He simply didn't want to work with Vader ever again. And in 1996, what Shawn Michaels wanted, Shawn Michaels got. Michaels complained to McMahon about Vader's personal hygiene, saying that he hadn't washed his ring gear and that he smelt really bad. During the match at SummerSlam, Michaels went to the top rope to deliver an elbow drop but ended up landing on his feet. There seemed to have been some kind of miscommunication because Michael started yelling at Vader. These issues combined with Vader's reputation for sometimes working a little stiff was all it took. It was Sean's way or the highway. Vader rapidly slid down the card in the WWF. Vader's only other feud of note in the Federation was against The Undertaker, the Undertaker had a history of awful feuds and matches against big men, Giant Gonzalez, Kamala, King Mabel to name but three. They were all terrible matches and feuds, but Vader was an exception. His match with The Undertaker at Canadian Stampede being a particular highlight. A bunch of forgettable feuds with the likes of Goldust and Mark Henry took place in 1998, and then Vader asked for his release. He was so frustrated by the end, he almost considered retiring from the business entirely. Vader could have been the saviour that Shawn Michaels needed to elevate the quality of his first WWF Championship reign, but Michaels rejected him. Vader's time in the World Wrestling Federation was a missed opportunity. It was a surefire success that just never panned out.